0: You are now listening to the Base Shore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Man, it is so good to see you guys this morning. This is the first Sunday of May, which means like summer is almost here. It's been like 80s all week long. Pollen is covering my car. I don't love that, but I love the warm weather. Uh, maybe my favorite thing about May is that all of the summer restaurants and businesses are starting to open, but the traffic isn't quite here yet, which is amazing. Um, our, uh, our favorite restaurant that we like to go to in the summer is this place called Pico Taco, and it's down in Chincoteague always opens up the first weekend of May. So we are so pumped. We're definitely going down there this week. Um, But guys, I would rather, there's no place I would rather be than right here on a Sunday morning, hanging out with you guys in the basement, worshiping Jesus. So I'm so pumped that you guys chose to wake up this morning and to spend your morning here with us. I'm excited for our online family. Can you guys make some noise for our online family? (laughs) We got our podcast listeners, we got our Facebook and YouTube crew this morning, and my name is Cotter and I'm the Next Steps pastor here at Bayshore and I'm just so excited to hang out with you guys. And something else exciting that I mentioned a few weeks ago is that my wife Emily and I are expecting our first child this summer. <laughs> We're super pumped about that. Um, you might have missed it. I just kind of slid it into the end of the welcome announcements one week, but uh, we're we're pumped. We found out recently that it's a boy. And uh, that's, that's cool, it's making it more real, and, and we're just getting excited. It's just been wild the last few months trying to wrap our heads around like, all the change and what we need to prepare for, and being a dad is something that'll be like totally new, um, but I've been an uncle for 14 years, and so I've got some skills, um, but being an uncle is so chill. Being an uncle is, is just the best. And, and if you want to be a great uncle, I, I got some tips for you this morning. So, one thing that I have, uh, one skill I've developed that I'm really good at is when my nieces and nephews, for hanging out and one of them starts crying, I'm really good at disappearing as soon as they start crying and, and letting their parents deal with, with that. Um, another thing you got to have if you're going to be a great uncle is a really good nose. Because if you're holding on to one of your nieces and nephews and you start smelling something a little funky, you gotta know when to pass that baby back to their parents. Now, I will say I'm very proud of the fact that in 14 years of uncling, I have changed zero diapers. Not a single one. I am so pumped about that. Now, uh, my uncle skills they don't really translate very well to parenting skills. Um, I don't think I'm going to make it very long without changing a diaper or dealing with a a crying child this summer. Um, But I'm kind of under the impression that I have some superpowers when it comes to making kids not cry. Now... You guys might not believe me, and, and don't pass me your baby because I haven't really tested these all that well. But a few weeks ago, before church, um, we needed some more Bibles for our table on the lobby, which, by the way, we got free Bibles. If you need one, please grab one. Um, and so I was grabbing some of those Bibles from our baby's room over here. And Mike and Kristen's uh, new child, Ellie, was in there, and she was crying a little bit when I walked in. So I walked in, I saw her crying and, and I just kind of had to think on my feet of, of what to do. Do I just leave the Bibles and run away? Um, so I was just trying to think on my feet. And so I just kind of did one of these. I just kind of tossed up the peace sign. And I was like, I don't know. When, when I'm kind of bummed out, if somebody gives me a peace sign, it cheers me up a little bit. So maybe it'll cheer up this little baby. And, uh, and it did. No joke. I am not even lying. Ellie stopped crying. She might have just been confused. But She stopped crying and you know my uncle instincts kicked in really quick as soon as she stopped crying i sprinted in grabbed the bibles and got out of there super fast before she started crying again Um, Now, I don't know uh, how well these uh, skills are going to, how much they're going to last me this summer. My uncle's skills are definitely going to have to start developing a little bit soon. But isn't it true that we can get really comfortable with the circumstances of our lives, whether it's our job or our family situation or our home, we can get so comfortable with how things are and we stop thinking about progressing. We just get comfortable with where we're at and over time we can lose the desire to grow and to achieve new goals in our lives. And in this series we've been talking about how to win the war on stuff that's warring against us. And one of the things that I believe is constantly at war within us is the temptation to be satisfied of the achievements of our past, to be satisfied with what we've already accomplished. And that's temptation is to stop pushing forward and just to start relaxing. So today, we're going to talk about declaring war on the complacency in our lives. We're going to be talking about staying motivated, pushing on towards our goal of making the most of the lives that Jesus has blessed us with. So we're going to be reading from the book of Philippians this morning, and and I just love the book of Philippians. It's a a whole book about joy, and what's crazy about that is Paul, who wrote this book, he was in jail when he wrote a book about joy, And, and I just love this book so much. So Um, Paul's writing to the Christians at the church of this Philippian church, and we're going to pick up in chapter 3. And in this chapter... Paul is sharing that it's his goal to be fully committed to Jesus. And he explains that the things that he used to value before he started following Jesus, they're of no value to him anymore. The only thing that he's focused on is living for Jesus and honoring Jesus with his actions. So we've got these verses up on the screen. This is Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In these verses, Paul is motivated. He's looking forward. He sees potential in his future, and he's making plans to achieve his goals. And, and something that I think is crazy about this is Paul is somebody that's like a model in our Christian faith. You know, he wrote nearly half of the books in the New Testament. He at one time lived in, in opposition to Jesus, but then he had this amazing conversion experience, and then he spent the rest of his life going around, sharing Jesus with people, starting up churches, he accomplished so much, and yet he still was not satisfied. And we'll put these verses back up on the screen. In verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. In verse 13, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal. Even with all that Paul had accomplished, he was focused on what was ahead of him. He wasn't sitting back and thinking about all that he had already achieved. He was looking for the next challenge, looking for the next goal that he could achieve. And and I think that's so relevant for us because it's so easy to get to a place where we're content with the things that we've accomplished in our past. our, Our work success, our family situation, our relationships. And the danger is that... We start to admire everything that we've accomplished, and then we lose sight of what's ahead of us. We forget how much more there is ahead, and as that complacency creeps in, we no longer set goals on things that we want to achieve, which means we kind of get stuck in a rut where we're not improving, we're just kind of resting. Now, there's been an amazing event going on this weekend. Does anybody know what's been going on this weekend? Anybody? No, nah, not the horse race. Something more exciting than that. The, the NFL Draft. All right, has anybody been watching the NFL Draft this weekend? All right, me, I've watched probably every minute of it, so i watched enough for all of us. Now, the NFL Draft is something that, that I look forward to all year long. I've probably look, been looking forward to this for six months. I put in a, a calendar event in my phone so I get notified before it starts. I get so excited about it. Now, if you're like my wife and you don't care about sports and you don't know what the NFL draft is, basically it's when professional football teams uh, select college players who have graduated and they just kind of pick the best players to improve their team. Now, when you're a fan of a bad football team like the Eagles you don't have a lot to look forward to during the real football season because you don't really win ever. Now, the draft is kind of exciting for us as Eagles fans because you think, hey, the future might be better. We're getting different players that aren't terrible, hopefully. Now, one of the craziest moments of the NFL draft happened about 21 years ago, and that's when this guy named Tom Brady was drafted. Now, we got a picture of Tom Brady we can put up. This is how you guys know Tom Brady. He's looking fresh. He's got the little beard stubble thing. I don't know how he does that. And he's got his like awesome GQ haircut. Tom Brady eats avocado ice cream. Has anybody had avocado ice cream? It's awful. We tried it. Emily bought it a couple weeks ago, and we ate like this much, and then we just threw it away. It was absolutely terrible, but Tom Brady eats it. Tom Brady's looking really fresh. Now, he's the greatest football player to have ever played, ever, hands down. Now, that's what he looks like now, but we've got a picture of him when he was drafted 21 years ago. That, that does not look like the same guy. He looks like a goober. Like, he looks like he should just be working at, like, State Farm or something. He does, not, he does not look like a professional athlete. Now, we got another picture of him. That, I'm not kidding. That is Tom Brady. That is before he, that is a professional athlete's body right there. That is, that is totally crazy. Now, um, Tom Brady, he came into the NFL looking like that, which is ridiculous. And then he goes on. He wins uh, three MVPs. He's been in the Pro Bowl, which is like the All-Star Game, 14 times. He's won the Super Bowl seven times, which is two more times than any other player in football history. And since he accomplished all that, do you know what he started doing? He started working harder. He started training harder. He has a personal trainer that goes around with him. He has a special diet that he does even after all that he has achieved. Now, a couple months ago, he won his seventh Super Bowl, and after the game, they interviewed him, and they asked him what was next for his life. Was he going to retire? And he said, we're coming back. He has won the Super Bowl two more times than anyone in the history of the game And he's made over $260 million playing football. And the first thing he said after this incredible accomplishment was, I want to do it again. I'm going to work hard all offseason so I can do this again. Now, I'm not a Patriots fan, and I'm not a Tampa fan, but it's hard not to um, admire Tom Brady's passion for greatness. You know, he has accomplished so much and he's still pushing forward towards his next goal. And I think that's so similar to Paul's attitude that we see in these verses. Paul had accomplished so much, but he wasn't content. He wasn't going to just rest and be happy with the things from his past. He was committed to growing and to pushing himself forward. So Today, we're going to see how we can attack the complacency in our lives. We're going to look at a few areas that we tend to get complacent, and we're going to see what the Bible says about how we can strive for greatness when that complacency creeps in. And one of the areas that I believe it's the easiest to become complacent is in our occupations. Now, maybe that's your job. Maybe that's uh, maybe you're a student, and that's your schoolwork. Maybe that's homeschooling your kids, or, or maybe you're retired, and that's just how you go about planning each one of your days, but complacency creeps into our occupations because it's something we do so often. Monday through Friday, we wake up, we grab the same coffee mug, we eat the same breakfast, we go to the same office, and then we come home, and any action that we repeat that often is going to become mundane and start to become a drag if we're not intentional about how we approach it. But in the Bible, in the book of Colossians, it speaks to the attitude that we should have in our occupations. And the book of Colossians is amazing. And in this chapter, it talks about what our lives should look like when we're following Jesus. So we'll toss this verse up on the screen. This is Colossians 3, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, Work at it with your whole being, for the Lord and not for men. And and then it continues on in the next verse, and it says, It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When we think about our occupations, these verses say that we should view them as a way that we're serving Jesus. Now, that's a game changer, isn't it? Because work can be so rough sometimes. How many of you guys have ever had a bad day at work? Okay, yeah, everyone, right? Now, how many of you guys have ever had a bad boss at work? Everyone. Yes, work can be tough, and when we have a rough day, or when we're working in a job, or we have a boss that isn't fun to work for, it can be so defeating, and it can feel a bit mind-numbing to just continually go to the same place each and every day, do the same thing that we don't enjoy, but wouldn't it be easier to have motivation to thrive in our occupation if we viewed our work as a way that we could serve Jesus and not our boss? And it wouldn't it be easier to give our best effort each day if we truly believed that we were serving Jesus with our work? Now, a few years ago, shortly after Emily and I got married, I was uh, kind of between jobs, and I was just trying to find something stable for us, and uh, I was applying everywhere. Like, guys, I mean everywhere. I applied to Toys R Us, which doesn't even exist anymore. I applied to PetSmart, I applied to Target, and I applied to Arby's. Anything you can think of, I applied to it. And the opportunity that ended up coming along that God provided was to work as a land surveyor. Now, I don't know how many of you guys know what a land surveyor is. I didn't even know when I showed up for the job interview what a land surveyor was. Um, So basically what a land surveyor does is they go around, they find property corners for people. Um, They'll put little stakes in the ground to help out with where roads go and parking lots. And the job is a lot of just kind of walking through swamps and wetlands and hanging out with snakes, literally having ticks fall out of trees and bounce off of your head, being covered in spiders, and, and I'm not an outdoors person. I, I don't know if my skinny jeans gave that away, but I am not an outdoor person at all. I don't own a single piece of camo clothing. I hope that doesn't offend anyone. I don't have any, I don't even have a camo sock in my house. Not a single one. Camo's not my thing. The outdoors are not my thing. I'm terrified of snakes. Is anybody else terrified of snakes? All right, well, you're in luck. I'm not going to share a snake story because I'm so scared of snakes that I can't even talk about it anymore. Uh, I'm also scared of getting Lyme's disease, so having ticks fall out of trees and bounce off my jacket, that was not the most fun thing in the world. But I approached that job understanding that God provided me with the opportunity to work there, so he must have a purpose for it in my life. So for me to hold up my end of the bargain, I needed to give it my all every day. So each day, I showed up, I gave it everything I had. I went through the swamps, I I tried not to cry like a little baby when I saw these brightly colored snakes crawling around my legs and stuff. I, I went through swamps. We uh, worked in negative degree cold when it was snowing. We worked in over 100 degree heat. I went to surveyor training school to get certificates to be better at the job. And I did whatever it took. And, and not because I loved being a land surveyor. I definitely didn't love it. Um, and not because that's what I was passionate about, but because God provided that opportunity for me. And my responsibility was to give it everything That I had, and and this verse in Colossians, it says that whatever we do, we should work at it with our whole being our whole being. Even if your occupation is not your passion, you can still work at it with your whole being. You can find ways to excel at what you do. If if your occupation is to homeschool your kids, then find ways to be the best homeschool parent out there. Watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts. Find ways to excel for your kids. If you're retired, find ways to bless your family and your community with your time. If you're working at a job, whether you're passionate about it or not, give it everything that you've got. Because we fight complacency in our occupation by realizing that we are serving Jesus and not our boss. When you crush it at your job, when you give 100% effort, then you are glorifying God in your occupation. You're making the most of the opportunities that God has placed in your life. Look, fighting complacency and our occupation is not about doing something we love. It's about working hard for the God that we love. Fighting complacency in our occupation is, about, is not about doing something we love. It's about working hard for the God that we love. So we can see complacency creep into our occupations. And another area that I believe we're vulnerable to complacency is in our relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I have no doubt that you can remember the day that you gave your life to the Lord and you started living for him. And I bet if you've been baptized, I have no doubt that you can remember the day that you were baptized. I was baptized nearly a decade ago. I can still remember almost everything about it. Those are amazing moments. That's where life begins. That's the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. But there's a danger for us to experience these amazing moments of salvation and baptism and then kind of allow ourselves to fall into a cycle of complacency where we're content with where we're at, where we don't seek to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, I think there's a verse that can really help us out with this. So this is Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. We'll put this up on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We fight complacency in our relationship with Jesus by loving him, by loving him with our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And we fight this complacency by devoting our time to Jesus. Through reading the Bible, through praying, by being committed to praying and reading the Bible each day, that fights complacency because it reminds us of how great God is. Man, when we're praying, that's a time where we're thanking God for all the blessings He's given us. That's a time where we're praising Him for His righteousness and His holiness. It's a time where we're trusting Him with our future, where we're trusting Him with our health. Prayer is a time when we're aligning our desires with what God desires for our lives. And, And reading the Bible, man, when we're reading the Bible, we're seeing examples of how God's provided for other Christians. We see things that God wants us to do in our lives as we seek to live holy lives for him. We see examples of how much he loves us. Reading the Bible increases our faith, and it gives us the tools to live each day for Jesus. Being committed to prayer and to reading the Bible, it fights complacency in our faith because those two things, they place Jesus at the center of our lives. And when Jesus is our center, we're not going to be complacent in our faith. Now, complacency can creep into many areas of our lives, and it's important for us to always have goals that we are working towards so that we don't become satisfied with our past accomplishments. So I want to look back to the first verses that we read from Philippians earlier, and we'll put these up on the screen. pressing forward, straining towards what is ahead, working to achieve his goals, letting go of his past and looking to the future. His motivation to be great, that fueled a desire within him to achieve the goals that were ahead of him. He denied the temptation of complacency by looking to his future. And for us, each day we choose whether we're going to be satisfied with what we've done in the past or if we're going to be hungry, if we're going to set new goals, and if we're going to work to achieve those. Now, 2020 kind of had a lot of uh, bummers, right? Well, one thing in 2020 that, that hit me really hard was that I turned 30 in 2020. It was it was rough. Now, I know, I hear the scowling. I know you guys are like, oh, this little kid, what is he talking about? Now, maybe you're older, and you think I'm being overdramatic, but Turning 30 to me was saying goodbye to fun and everything good in life. I thought it was just over. Man, Professional athletes, when they turn 30, they get cut. They get released. They're done. They're too old. When you're 29 you're young, you got a bright future. But man, when you turn 30, you're just an, you're just an adult. You're just an old adult. There's nothing exciting anymore. So that was a bummer. And to make it worse... I have the personality of a planner. So even though my birthday wasn't until October, like almost at the end of the year, as soon as 2020 began, I was well aware that my youth was ending. It it was like this big, awful countdown in my mind all year long. So January 1 hits, and and I'm just starting to think about, you know, how all this nonsense of how my life's going to be so boring now. So I decided that I was going to combat this by by turning my life around in a couple big areas. And so the two areas that I wanted to focus on um, before I hit 30 was my fitness and my diet. Now, I've typically not been a guy that eats very healthy or goes to the gym very often. Um, A few years ago, I got a gym membership. I had it for six months. It cost me a ton of money. And I think I went to the gym three times in six months. And, And the gym, no joke, it was less than two miles from our house. I could have walked there. I didn't even want to put that much effort in. And, and I'm not a big diet guy either. Like, um, from the time that I was in high school up until like shortly before Emily and I got married, and, and this is not a joke, every morning I ate cinnamon sugar Pop Tarts for breakfast. Every single morning. Guys, when I was 24 years old, I was eating cinnamon sugar Pop Tarts. Every single morning. But the thought of turning 30, it just changed something in my mind. I went from having no fitness or health goals to being all about those things just overnight. Now, my track record for going to the gym was terrible. Um, It was very terrible. So in order to keep myself accountable, to stay on track towards my goal, I started a a workout log on the Notes app on my phone. And and this is what I decided to do. Every time I go to the gym, and and swimming was uh, like my exercise. So I'd swim, I'd do my thing, and then I'd get back in the car. And before I left, I would write down the date, and I'd write down, uh, you know, how much, uh, how many laps I swam, how much time I spent swimming, Every time, even in the beginning, when it was embarrassingly bad, how, how little I could swim. Now, um, here's a picture. This is just a bunch of numbers and nonsense, but you can see that I've got uh, the date on the side, and you can see, like, how much I did each time, and, and there's some gaps when the gyms closed down last year, but this is my progress up through this past Friday, and and I've been pretty consistent with this for the last 16 months. Now, this is the first time that I've ever been able to be consistent with that in my whole life, just to work out and to go almost every week. But I've been able to achieve something that I never had before because I had a goal. And my goal was to be in the best shape that I've ever been in at age 30. And I set that goal and then I work to accomplish that goal each and every day. So, so what are your goals? What things do you want to see happen in your life? What are some areas in your life where maybe you've become a little bit complacent, and now you want to see growth in? What are your goals for your health? Maybe you want to walk more, and you want to see the little rings on your Apple Watch go all the way around so they make that cool little sound at the end of the day. Maybe you want to stop eating Pop-Tarts as an adult. Um, What are your goals for your occupation How are you going to crush it at the job that you currently have? And if you don't have your dream job, how are you going to work to get there? How are you going to work to get that job? What are your goals for your family? How can you? What are your goals to be a better spouse? Maybe that's deciding that you're going to uh, be intentional about putting down the phones, turning off the TV, and just focusing on your spouse when they get home from work. Maybe that's doing the dishes and taking out the trash and finding other ways to sacrifice your time so that you can be a blessing to your spouse. What are your goals to be a better parent? Maybe that's being intentional about hanging out with your kids and doing things that they love or or finding ways to make new memories with them. And what are your goals to lead your family in their relationships with Jesus? Now, we had an amazing Easter service here um, it was so awesome, and I think my favorite part of the whole service was this video that we showed, and it was this guy, Chris. Now, Chris has been coming to Bayshore since sometime in the fall, and since he started coming here, he um, accepted Jesus, and his whole life has been transformed. And in this video, he was just kind of sharing about some ways that his life has changed. And the thing that stood out to me the most in that video was that Chris shared that him and his wife have started praying together each day, and, and I thought that was so Amazing. And that just motivated me to find time to pray with Emily each day. And not just praying before we eat and just something quick and simple, but praying for real, praying about our our lives, praying about our future, praying about what's going on in our lives and, and thanking God for all the blessings that he's given us. So how can you lead your family in their relationships with Jesus? Maybe that's praying together. Maybe that's deciding to read a verse of the Bible with your family each day. Maybe that's just sharing with your family about how you're putting your faith into action in your life. When you are leading your family by example, by praying, by reading your Bible, by talking about Jesus— that has a huge impact on them. Just a couple of weeks ago, my dad was sharing with me about how he met this guy, and he shared Jesus with him, and then a couple of days later, that guy went to church with him. And, and that was amazing, and that, that's my dad sharing that with me, and that inspired me to be a better Jesus follower. It's an example that I want to follow. So what can you do to lead your family in their relationship with Jesus? We need to declare war on the complacency in our lives by being intentional with our relationship with Jesus and intentional in our relationships with our family. Now, Paul had accomplished so much in his life, but he wasn't focused on his past. He was focused on the impact that he could have with his future. And and the reason for this was that Paul wanted to get to the end of his life, and he wanted to be able to look back and point to all the opportunities that he'd been given, and he wanted to be confident in how he had used them. Near the end of his life, Paul was writing to his friend Timothy, and, and we'll toss this verse up on the screen. This is what he says to his friend Timothy. This so is 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul declared war on the complacency in his life because it was his ultimate goal to spend eternity with Jesus. And it was his ultimate goal to share Jesus with everybody he met so that they could spend their eternity with Jesus. He had a clear goal and he did everything that he could to achieve that goal. And when he got to the end of his life, he was able to look back and be confident about how he spent his time. So, what impact do you want to have with your future? How can you impact your workplace? How can you impact your family? How can your faith in Jesus change the lives of the people that are around you? When we're focused on what Jesus has done for us, we're not going to be satisfied with what we've done in the past. When we're focused on what Jesus has done for us, we will be inspired to make the most of the future that God has given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for for all of the many blessings that you've given us. I thank you that we're able to worship in person together, God. Um, And I thank you for all the opportunities that you've given us. We each have our own life and our own circumstances, and we have um, unique people in our lives that we're able to impact. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to make the most of the opportunities that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us to really be intentional about our faith with you and about how we share that faith with the people around us. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to Bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit Bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.